Hey, I want to welcome you to Sunday morning worship with FBCO. We're glad you're here and we're going to, we'll do this even beyond when we can meet together and uh, we look forward to the day when we can. In the meantime, God will use us in your life. If you'll just kind of lean in and really let God speak to you during this time, I suggest a couple things. Take some notes, open your Bibles, and that will help you as you follow along. And I did want to mention, if you'd like to connect with us or you'd like to find out more information about our church, or maybe you need to follow in Believer's Baptism, just text us. You'll see that information on the screen and text us and let us know. We'll contact you. Maybe you need to trust Christ as Savior. And we love to see people come to know the Lord. We'll be happy to, to explain what that means and what that looks like, but we'd love to connect with you. And we'd be delighted to help you get in our small groups called Life Groups. And you can do that via Zoom right now. You don't have to wait. You can get into class. If you'll let us know that you're interested, we'll connect you to a class, get you the information so that you can meet with them each week as well. There's some real benefit in that small group Bible study that we call Life Groups for all the adult ages. And of course, our teenagers, our children, our uh, single young adults, etc., do various activities during the week. If you go to our website, you can see information about all of those things. Well, open your Bibles, please, to the book of James chapter 5. We've been working our way through this great book of the Bible. We're all the way to chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 7 through 11 together. So open your Bibles, get something to write with and something to take notes on, and we're going to note some principles from this great passage, James, the book of James in the New Testament, chapter 5, verse 7. Let's read that together. The Bible says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts because the Lord's coming is near. Brothers and sisters, do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the door. Brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. See how we count as blessed those who have endured. You have heard of Job's endurance and have seen the outcome that the Lord brought about. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. Well, I want you to focus on a phrase right there in verse 7 that says this, be patient until the Lord's coming. And the Lord is going to use an example here. He's going to, he tells us to be patient until the return of the Lord. And he tells us how to do that, really gives us four examples of how we can do that. And so I'm going to talk with you about what it means to be patient until the Lord's, come, uh, the Lord's coming. So the Bible tells us one day the Lord is going to return and we're either going to meet him in the air or meet him through death. And we're going to stand before God for eternity. Some will be separated from God for eternity, the Bible says. Some will know Christ as Savior. Those who have given their life to Christ will find forgiveness of sins and a home in heaven. They're adopted into God's family, and they'll spend eternity with Him. And so we're to be patient until that day when we stand before the Lord. And let me tell you a couple of reasons why the Bible is telling us to be patient here. It tells us, because, it tells us to do this because we're, we're to endure life in this fallen world. We're to have patience and endurance in this fallen world. I don't have to tell you this world is not heaven. And this world is filled with sorrow and brokenness. In fact, this is a broken world. Sin has entered this world. And the Bible tells us clearly, and you can see from your own experience in life, that this is a broken world. We see example of that. One of the reasons why we've been separated and in this uh, time of isolation is because of the brokenness of our world. And because it's broken, it's broken in all kinds of ways. It's bro families are broken, homes are broken, lives are broken, 
relationships are broken. And the Bible tells us we who know Christ as Savior are to endure in a fallen world, knowing that one day we're going to face a world that is not broken. Heaven is not broken. And that will be the place of ultimate healing and completion is what your soul is longing for. But in the meantime, we're to endure in this fallen world. And it's telling us to see the big picture of life and eternity. See the big picture of life and eternity. So the Lord is saying, be patient until my coming, he's saying. Be patient until my coming. Because I want you to see the big picture. And this life is brief. And one day you're going to stand before me for eternity. And so he's saying, I want you to see the big picture, the big picture of life, not just the moment, not just we live in this moment. That's all we have is this moment. But we can learn from our past and we can prepare for our future. But it's beyond this life. And really, there's a sense in which God is saying, I want you to see the big picture of eternity. And we're going to stand before the Lord. Wisdom is seeing life as God sees it. And when we begin to see the world as God sees it, we see that this world is, uh, this life is only a part of our life because we have eternal life beyond. And those who know Christ as Savior should be living this in this world, facing eternity and preparing for that day when we'll stand before the Lord in the home that is not broken, in the land that is not broken, where full healing happens. So let's look at four examples the Lord gives us here of how we're to live, of how we can be patient until the Lord's coming and lessons that each of these examples teach us. So if you've got your notes, I'd like you to to note with me four examples. Number one is the example of the farmer. The example of the farmer. And here's the example. It's saying to us, blessings will come. Blessings will come. So verse seven says, therefore, brothers and sisters, speaking to believers, we're all the Lord, when we trust Christ as Savior, we're adopted into God's family. We become family together. Be patient until the Lord's coming. And he gives the example in verse 7. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. The farmer is doing all these jobs that he does, the planting, the weeding, the work, all of that heading toward a harvest. The precious fruit of the earth, the Bible calls it here. And is, he's patient with it until he receives the early and the later rains. So, in that deserty climate of Israel, he's waiting. He gets some rain early on when he can plant and then rain later on that helps with the harvest. And all the work that transpires is leading toward that harvest. Now, if you don't have patience, don't be a farmer because rains don't always come when you want them to come. There's a lot of work involved in being a farmer. And he has to learn, a farmer has to learn to be patient. There's some things out of his control. And he's working. There's a lot that's done in the meantime. But all of this patience and all of this work and all of the effort is headed toward a blessing one day when the harvest comes in. Verse 8 says, you also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts like the farmer. Strengthen your hearts because the Lord's coming is near. So he's saying the farmer is learning this lesson that blessings will come. There's a lot of work. There's a lot of patience. There's a lot of labor. There's a lot of waiting. There's a lot of prayer. But one day I'm looking forward to a harvest and to that blessing. And he's saying for us, We need patience because one day we're going to see God's harvest. One day we're going to see the results of all God has been doing and all that he has has done for us from sending his son into the world to live the life we couldn't live, the perfect life. Jesus dying on the cross, the death we deserved. Jesus rising from the grave, doing the miracle that we needed, offering us everlasting life, forgiveness of sins and hope by his power. And those blessings will be fulfilled ultimately in heaven. So in the meantime, there are times when it's kind of dry. 
I don't know if you plant a garden, but if you did this year or if you ever have, you know that sometimes uh, the rain, um, we have to wait on the rain or sometimes we have to, there's, you know, work to be done. You have to remove the weeds and you have to uh, watch out for the insects. And in some cases, maybe the animals that want to come raid your garden. And the Bible is saying here, all of that is reminding us that ultimately blessings will come. And we do all of that work because we're ready for the harvest. And all that we do for the Lord in this world is pointing toward the blessing that will come ultimately in heaven. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some great blessings God gives us right here and right now. The abundant life that God has for us right here and now is great. I'm thankful God gives us peace in the middle of the storm right here in this world. I'm thankful for the joy we can have even though this world is broken. There are some tremendous blessings in this world that come with following the Lord. In fact, so much so that if we didn't have eternity, following the Lord would be worth it for this world. But we have something even greater than all the blessings we can get in this world. And that's the promises that God gives us and the ultimate harvest of heaven. That's what our soul is longing for. And that's what we're working for. We're remembering that what we do for the Lord has eternal consequences. And what we do for the glory of God matters and lasts. And so I want you to learn from the example of the farmer that blessings will come. The rain will return. There will be a day when there's a harvest. One day, all will be put right. One day, all the brokenness of this world will end and we'll experience the reality and the fullness of the home the Lord has made for us and prepared for us. And so we learn this example, blessings will come. And some of you need that reminder because you're in a dry season right now in your life. And it's a difficult time in your life. And we don't ignore the dryness, but we remember like the farmer that the blessings will come and that we can trust the Lord. Even in the dry moments of life, in the difficult times of life, we trust him knowing that blessings will come ultimately as we look forward to the return of the Lord. There's a second example I'd like you to note. And this is what I'm calling the example of the judge. The example of the judge. And it teaches us this lesson. Justice is certain. Justice is certain. Let's go to verse 9. Brothers and sisters, the Bible says. Family, he says. Do not complain about one another. Boy, that's, that's the American way, isn't it? Isn't that what social media is for? Just to complain about one another? He says, Don't, do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Here's what the Lord is saying. You're not the judge. You're not the judge. And uh, he's reminding us that how we judge affects how the Lord, of course, uh, judges us. He, he, res he uh, responds to our complaining spirit. He reminds us of the danger of backbiting and gossip and on and on. He, the Lord is serious about this. Unity matters to the Lord. And he says, look, the judge stands at the door. And he's not speaking about me or you, right? The judge He's speaking of here is the Lord who is the judge. I'm not the judge and you're not the judge. Now we can tell um, you what God says, what the God the judge tells us. We want to tell the truth about sin and righteousness and holiness. But the Lord is the judge. He's the only one worthy to be the judge. All of us are the lawbreakers. We can find forgiveness. We can realize the legal payment paid by the blood of Jesus on our behalf so that we can be forgiven. But the Lord himself is our judge. We live in a world of injustice. When I say our world is broken, I mean it is broken. And we will see injustice as long as there is sin in our world, and that will happen until the end of time. One day there'll be no more injustice, but in this world there's plenty of it. I hate to see injustice. I hate it when good people 
do wrong, when bad people do wrong. I hate it when people we ought to be able to trust don't live up to that trust. What a broken world we live in. What a broken world. Our culture is broken. Our lives are broken. Our world is broken. And we see injustice in our world. But we remember that all will be set right and that justice is coming. And one day we will stand before the Lord who is the righteous judge. He is the righteous judge. I'm thankful that the basis of my standing before the Lord is not, is not my perfection because I've not lived a perfect life. And I can just say about you, you haven't either. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we're going to stand before a righteous judge. So what hope is there for us? Well, the hope is Jesus paid our penalty. He paid our debt. He gave his life in our place on that cross. And so we can experience God's forgiveness and God can justly, righteously forgive us because Jesus paid the price. Boy, don't, don't ever forget that. Listen, don't, when you want to judge others, be, just, be remind, just be reminded of that truth that none of us deserve God's grace and mercy. And he gives it on the basis of the sacrifice made by the Lord Jesus himself. But there is a longing in our heart for that day when real justice happens. And we hate to see the injustice of our world the wrong that is done day by day, uh, the systemic difficulties of our culture and our age. And we're praying for the day when justice happens. There's an old story. Every once in a while I'll tell this story. I can't, uh, I can't, I can't know that it's true. It certainly has the ring of truth, but it's a story that's been told a long time and may well be uh, certainly a basis in fact. So the story goes like this. Long ago, there were missionaries coming back after a lifetime spent in Africa as missionaries. And some of you know, I've got man in my heart. I just love that, that we've been able to be involved in missions in Africa. And we've got people in our, from our church serving in Africa right now as missionaries. And there's just a deep connection with that vast continent. I'm thankful that we can be a, have a small part to play in the spread of the gospel there. And, and of course, the influence they have for us as well. It's just been a great, wonderful thing. Well, this couple went long ago uh, to be missionaries spread the gospel, and they're finally coming back to the States uh, late in their life, unable to continue the ministry there any longer. And they came back on a ship back from Africa in those days, and on that same ship was a famous politician who'd been on a safari. When they got back to New York City after returning from Africa, there's no one there to meet this missionary couple, no one to say, hey, great job. You know, they just came on their own, got off the boat to find a little apartment where they were going to stay. But the politician, oh my goodness, the bands were playing, people working at home, big banners, welcome back, you know. Politician came, came back. Politics can be a funny world, can it? And I'm living in an age where it just seems especially frustrating for me right now in some ways. Um, so this politician came back to all the fanfare that missionary husband just could not help but feel sorry for himself. He said to his wife, you know, here we are. We serve a lifetime for God in Africa. We come home and there's nobody to welcome us. Here this guy goes off to shoot some animals in Africa and he comes back to it like it's a hero's welcome. And he sort of decided he wanted to complain to God about that. He went into, his, into the room and just kind of cried out to God, God, why would this be, you know, this is unjust we would serve. Nobody welcomes us home. And this politician sir, is 
comes back to a great welcome when he comes back home and, and, he, and he just sensed the still small voice of the Lord saying through his heart these words, son, you're not home yet. You're not home yet. And I want to remind you, it's the lesson of the judge that one day all will be set right and justice is coming. And one day we'll be in the home that the Lord is preparing for us and into his presence. And so we learn, be patient until the Lord's coming because of the example of the judge. There's a third example I'd like you to note. That's the example of the prophets. And here's, here's what they teach us. Suffering won't last. Suffering won't last. Uh, do you admire the prophets? Man, the prophets of the Old Testament, they were amazing guys. I mean, just amazing guys. Do you admire them? Here's what the Bible says about the prophets. Brothers and sisters, take the prophets, verse 10, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example. And we say, of course, they're an example. These guys are speaking of the Lord. They are telling the truth to people who need to hear the truth. They're speaking to kings and the common people about the, the needs, what they ought to do about following the Lord. I mean, they're, of course, a great example. But notice what it says. It doesn't stop there. Take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering. The, uh, the prophets went through some difficulties. You might remember that the prophets were not always well received. Do you remember Jeremiah? I was reading Jeremiah not long ago. The book of Jeremiah is a powerful passage and Jeremiah was an amazing prophet and he spoke for God and he loved the Lord dearly and he for his good service in speaking the Lord's name and teaching the people about the things of God he got thrown into a dungeon got thrown one time into a pit a dry well and muck and mire there sank down in it they finally had to drag him out threw down some ropes got threw down some old clothes to put under his armpit so his arms wouldn't get ripped off that's how that stench and muck and mire he was in and pulled him out. Suffering. Or Elijah. I'll preach, Lord willing, in a few weeks, a couple of my very favorite passages on the story of Elijah. A couple of my favorite messages to preach on this prophet Elijah. He, he spoke for God. He did great things. He loved the Lord. He told the truth. Spoke truth to power to wicked Ahab. And for his trouble, he faced persecution and they wanted to put him to death, and man, suffering. But notice the Bible says, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. So in the middle of their suffering and their difficulties and their struggles, they learned this lesson, be patient until the Lord's coming. Verse 11 says this, see, we count as blessed those who have endured. There is a blessing that comes with enduring through difficult times. And if you're going through a difficult time right now, I don't mean to minimize that at all in your life. I'm saying the Bible is teaching we count as blessed those who have endured. There is a power to staying faithful in difficult moments. There's a power to that. There's a strength to that. And if you are being faithful to God in difficult times, I'm telling you under the authority of the word of God, there is a blessing that comes with that. And I want you to be faithful in the most difficult times. And those prophets teach us suffering won't last because there'll come a day, right now may be a day of sorrow and tears, but there'll come a day when there's no more tear. Right now, maybe, is, we live in the world of death. There'll be a day when there'll be no more death. We, have a, we live in a world of disease. There'll be a day when there'll be no more disease. Suffering won't last. And when we see the big picture, we are reminded that all the difficulties we face, listen, the prophets, some people face difficulties because they do the wrong thing. The prophets face difficulties because they did the right thing. 
but they, they endured because they saw the big picture. One day we're going to be in the presence of God and we want to live our, our life in this broken world through all the difficulties we face with that eternity in mind. And we're going to honor the Lord come what may, even in difficult circumstances, even through suffering. We're going to do that with patience because we know blessed are those who have endured. Now, there's a fourth example. Oh, let me tell you a story before I go to that fourth one. Let me tell you a story. My grandfather, my, one of my very earliest memories, I was talking to my mom about this recently. I think maybe the, maybe the earliest childhood memory I have is of my grandfather. I was so young. I just have a picture of my grandfather who had passed away uh, on my paternal side. I just remember him sitting in a chair at his house and he had a crippled leg. He had a big uh, extension on his shoe. His leg was withered. And so to keep him somewhat more steady, he had this big extension on his shoe just to keep him from swinging, his, having to swing his leg quite as badly. And it's just a very difficult time. So my grandfather, through a long series of circumstances, I, I tell the story always in the membership class. We'll have another, one day we'll gather again. I can't hardly wait for that. I'm looking forward to that. I'm praying for our politicians as they deal with these issues. And one day soon we'll meet together. And I tell in the membership class when we gather again, some of you will want to join our church. And, and I tell about the story about my grandfather. But my grandfather, suffice it to say, who lived far from the things of God, came to know Christ as Savior. He was saved uh, as an adult, as a middle-aged man. And when he did, can I tell you, his leg did not grow back. It did not grow back. And he remained, even though he knew Christ as Savior, he still faced the difficulties that come with living in this fallen, broken world. His leg did not grow back. So I can remember as a little boy seeing this picture of my grandfather sitting in the chair. So just, I just remember him. I'm looking at him. He was looking at me there with his crippled leg. But when I see him again, it'll be in heaven. And he won't have a crippled leg in heaven. And he'll have a new body. He'll be him, but different. You'll be you if you know Christ as Savior in heaven. You'll be you, but different. People will recognize you, but you'll be different. There'll be a new body. And we learn this lesson that suffering won't last. Now, there's a fourth principle I want you to get to, and that's the example of Job. And this lesson teaches us the Lord does care. The Lord does care. So let me tell you the story of um, Job, we see him described here in verse 11. You've heard of Job's endurance, the Bible says, and have seen the outcome that the Lord brought about. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. So here's the story of Job. Ten kids, great wealth. One of the finest men in all the world. The Lord said about him, man, we don't, there's not another guy like Job, a man of integrity, a man who follows me. And yet, because he lived in this broken, fallen world, circumstances happened in his life that would be Difficult for anyone, but unbelievably challenging for Job. Job's 10 children, 10 children all died. All of his wealth was taken from him, all of it. And he was left in poverty and in misery, boils on his skin. Even his own wife, in her grief, she turned on Job. She said, curse God and die. You may remember not only did Job face all of these difficulties, but then his friends came to him to console him, and they were terrible consolers. Sometimes people don't need our words so much as they just need our presence. But they said, hey, listen, it's probably your fault, Job, and on and on and on. And Job kind of defended his integrity, and finally God spoke to him and brought deliverance to him. But it, man, what a, it's a powerful story, painful story. God provided back so much in his life. He was given 10 more children, 
By the way, he didn't lose those 10 first children. They were, he still saw them again in eternity, but 10 more children. I was reading. By the way, I just want to note this for you. God doesn't always tell us why. God was silent during a, a large part of Job's questioning. Why? Why does this happen? Maybe, you, maybe you're going through a difficult time and you're asking why. God often, often God does not answer the question why in our life. Often, I, I suspect there are some things we will never understand until eternity itself. He goes to the question, what? What do we do with the circumstances that we're in? What do we do in response to the brokenness of our lives and our world? And how do we respond? We, we don't always understand the why. I am reading a book right now about a pastor of days gone by who just, what a fine man. His son passed away. It doesn't take 10 to bring grief, just one, just one. And his son's death brought such deep grief in his life. And he talked about this very question. I, I don't, the Lord's never answered why. He's been silent on that regard. He's talked to me about the so what? What do I do in response? And he learned this lesson, the same lesson that Job had to learn. It's a hard lesson. It's a difficult lesson. It's the lesson that the Lord does care. The Bible says this. Job found this lesson in verse 11. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. Sometimes he's silent. We live in a broken world and we feel the effects of that brokenness. But the Lord is compassionate and he's merciful. So whatever you're going through, whatever difficulty, whatever struggle, whatever problem you're facing, I want you to know, though perhaps the Lord is silent in your case. Maybe you're going through some difficulties. Maybe it's a dry season in your life. Maybe there's some brokenness in this world that has affected you. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. And he cares about you. And so the Bible says, be patient until the Lord's coming. Could you just, could I just ask you to step back for a second and see the big picture? See the big picture of life. See beyond that to the big picture of eternity. One day we're going to stand in God's presence. And one day we're going to see him face to face. And one day we'll understand in a way that we can't understand in this current time. And I want you to be patient until the Lord's coming. Because one day we will experience him face to face. And I want you to be prepared for that day. And I want you to live the kind of life, learn from the farmer and learn from the judge and learn from the prophets and learn from Job himself. And God will bless that. If you've never trusted Christ as Savior, I want to ask you today, will you give your life to Christ? The Bible tells us we need to be saved. Repent of your sin. Place your trust in Jesus who died for you and rose from the grave for you and receive him as Savior. Ask him to save you and he'll save you. We'd love to hear that if you've given your life to Christ. We'd love to follow up with you and help you. Just let us know. Get, send a, send a, uh, connect with us through text or email. Christian, can I say to you, if you're going through a difficult time, a dry season, can I ask you to do what the Bible tells us to do here? Be patient until the Lord's coming. Learn these lessons well. God will use this in your life. The farmer, the judge, the prophets, and Job himself to teach us lessons about what it means to follow the Lord. See the big picture. God is still in control. He cares about you. You matter to him. And God will make a difference in your life right here and now that will last for eternity. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word and the lessons you teach us. 
These are powerful lessons, important lessons, lessons we need. We need to learn from the farmer. We need to learn from the judge. We need to learn from the prophet. And we need, yes, to learn from Job. So Lord, teach us to trust you, that you are compassionate and merciful in this broken, fallen world, that one day we will stand before you. Help us to be patient until you're coming. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much, so much for joining us at FBCO. Uh, you connect with us. If, you're, if you want to find out more about our church, connect with us. Maybe you need to follow in Believer's Baptism. We'd be happy to talk with you more about that. Maybe you'd like to talk to someone about trusting Christ as Savior. Send us your prayer request and we'll pray with you. One day we'll be meeting together. We're anxiously looking forward to that time. And in the meantime, we're going to ask God to work in us and through us and with us and to teach us the lessons, to grow us. Stay faithful in reading God's word for yourself and spend time in prayer. We believe God will bless that. Thanks for joining us for Sunday worship at FBCO. God bless you.